0: Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into this week's message, but before we do, I want to encourage you to connect with us online. You can follow us on Instagram or Facebook, and you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and this very podcast. We want to stay connected, so another great way to do that is be our guest on a Sunday. I'd love to invite you to be here. If you're local, come out. We want to meet you get to know you, worship with you. We'd really, really enjoy your company. And without further ado, let's jump into this week's message.
1: Here's the deal? When it comes to sex... Uh, the church has for years said it is dirty, it's shameful, it's disgusting, save it for marriage. Like, it's terrible, save it for the person you love. And that's not actually what the Bible says, that's, that's what people that are just uncomfortable talking about it say. And so um, today this, uh, this message, in fact all of these, the Song of Solomon was written to people that are single and so if you're single in the room today, um, this, is, this is for you. This is, uh, it's going to talk directly to you. But, but I would also say, if you're married, the stuff that it addresses in single people is the same stuff that makes, that, that keeps a healthy marriage healthy. It's the same stuff that takes a dysfunctional marriage and makes it healthy. And so I would encourage you, don't tune me out if you're married. This is the same stuff that will heal old wounds. In, in fact, if, are you here today and you're married? If you're married and you're in the room, can you put your hand up? We just we want to honor you. Good job. Well, come on. That's awesome. That's awesome. If you're in the room and you're single, can you put your hand up real high for me? High, high. Real high. Okay, real high. Now look all the way to your left and all the way to your right. <laughs> That's what you're working with. I'm helping somebody right now. Is <clears> that somebody? Their hand's still waving. That's me. All right, here we go. So we're going to jump into the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 8. And it says this, Ah, oh, I hear, this is the, the young woman speaking. She says, Ah, oh, I hear my lover coming. He is leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. When I hear this, I, I, I imagine like Pepe Le Pew, like it's all black and white. He's ah, His heart, right? My lover is like a swift gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he is behind the wall, looking through the window, peering into the room. He's creepy. <laughs> yeah, he, he's a little bit of a stalker, and, um, but that's, that's all right. It, it's, it's interesting. Last week we talked about, um, you know, it, it doesn't really matter who pursues so much as that there's a mutual pursuit, but I would point out that even here, she is, she's appreciative that he is pursuing her. And I would just say, uh, young men and middle-aged men, single men. Um, th- the ladies tell me they do like it when a guy will pursue. So I, I would just tell the men, uh, go ahead and 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 shoot your shot. Like like go go introduce yourself, ask for a name. It's not hard. You just say, my name is, and your name is. That's that's how easy it is. Um, it don't text somebody. Um, don't have a friend go talk to somebody for you. Go. Talk to them yourself. The, the problem is, us men, we, we are just, we're insecure in this area, aren't we? It's hard, because you, you get shot down, and it just makes you deflated and insecure. And I'm just saying, men, uh, there's a passage in the scripture, it's Job chapter 38, verse 3, and it tells, tells us to gird up our loins. Uh, another translation would say it like this, brace yourself like a man. What a cool verse. Uh, m- my translation of it would say something like this, grow a pair. Go ask somebody on a date. Um, and, and with that in mind, understand that, that going, like time alone uh, between a man and a woman, that's a date. That's a date. So uh, a, a, a man and a woman getting dinner or going to a movie, that's a date. If, if, if you're doing it and you're like, we're not dating, um, your friends all think you're dating. And they're, they're, not, they're not reading into things. You're, you're doing things that are dating. So um, if you don't want to send mixed signals don't send mixed signals. Okay. <laughs> um, if you're an unbeliever in the room, I just want to encourage you and say none of this applies to you. So you're, you're totally on your own. But here, here's the cool part. Here's the cool. If you're, if you're an unbeliever, you're not a believer in Jesus today, number one, we're glad you're here. Thank you for honoring us by being here. Um, that tells us that, we, that you consider us a safe place to be. Uh, but I would also say the really cool part about today's message is you get to see what Christians believe about sexuality, relationships, and uh, and romance. And so now you get to judge your Christian neighbors <laughs> as to whether or not they live up to that standard. That's uh, a pretty high standard. Uh, I would also say this, though. It, it does apply to you if you are dating a Christian. So if you're not a believer and you're dating a Christian, uh, I, I would just say, like, do, why would you... If you were a non-believer, why would you date someone that believes in Jesus? It doesn't, doesn't really make a lot of sense, because the truth is, they just really want you to change. They don't like you the way you are. Like, that's not true. Like, he said he's totally cool with it. Well, you're here today, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's working. It's here today. So I would just say, like, if, if you're not a believer in Jesus, just go find, like, an honest pagan. All right, here we go. <clears throat> All right, next verse, verse 11. <laughs> she says, look, the winter is past, and the rains are over and gone. So she's saying, look, there's a, there's a shift in the season of our relationship. The winter, the cold loneliness is gone. The rains are over. Something's changing. The flowers are springing up. It's, be, it's becoming spring. The season... Of pruning vines, some of your translations may say singing birds, pruning vines is a little more accurate. The season of pruning vines has come, and the cooing of turtle doves fills the air. She's saying there's a shift in our relationship. We've gone from romance and having a good time to enjoying looking at each other and, and all those things and you know trying to become the better version of me, all this kind of stuff. It's changing. And, and now we're moving into a new season. But this new season looks like a season of pruning. There comes a point in every healthy relationship where it goes from the pitter-patter of, of infatuation with someone to a, a need to prune some things out of a relationship. The, the relationship has progressed to a point where some boundaries need to be drawn Some shrubs need to be pruned. Some things need to be cut out of their life. They're they're developing a vision for the relationship. They're they're developing a goal. My wife and I, we have a goal for our marriage. Our our goal is to be 85 years old, drinking sweet tea with not a tooth in our face, (laughs) sitting on on a porch swing, Together. Like, that's our dream. In fact, I've got a picture of it. I won't show it today, but I've got a picture. If my wife allows it, I will show it to you. How amazing she looks at 85. (laughs) (laughs) But they're getting a vision. And and the, the thing about vision is vision eliminates options. Healthy relationships have very few options. She says, the fig trees are forming young fruit. And the fragrant grapevines are blossoming. Rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. My dove is hiding behind the rocks, behind an outcrop of the cliff. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is pleasant and your face is lovely. They're not saying, you're hot. The relationship has grown beyond that. And now it's hearing your voice is pleasant to me. It's soothing to me. Just being around you is it's, it's healing. It's a, it's a good thing for me. And so their, their relationship is kind of coming out of this season of winter into a season of spring. It's blossoming. In fact, in, a, in just a, two chapters, they're going to get married. And so this is, this is, it's becoming mature. And here's what she says as they're, getting, they're beginning to think about the progress of the relationship. She says, in verse 15, Catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grapevines are blossoming. She's saying that our, our vineyard, vineyard is, is an analogy for love here. She's saying it's growing, it's blossoming, like it's, it's maturing. We're, we're falling in love with each other. This is amazing. But before we commit to each other, you need to deal with some things. So in their day, they had uh, family-owned vineyards. This wouldn't be some massive vineyard that we have out in Marsing or maybe in Sonoma County. These are small acreages that would be hedged by thorny hedges of, of, of plants designed to, to, to prevent erosion and designed to keep critters out. And she's telling him, she's saying, if we're going to commit to each other, you've got to deal with some foxes, some things that get into the vineyard of love. Because, And she says specifically, you got to deal with the cute little ones. You got to kill those cute little foxes because one day those cute little foxes are going to become big mommy daddy foxes and they're going to destroy the vineyard. Let me just say this. I, I've done a lot of counseling with marriages over the years. been doing this for a while and I would say uh, very, very seldom do I encounter somebody with a marriage problem. Most of the time, what it is, is a single problem that is in a marriage. It's a, it's a fox that never got dealt with, and then you brought it into someone else's life, and now that fox made babies, and it is wrecking the vineyard of love. If you want a healthy sex life, if you want a healthy marriage, if you want a healthy relationship, you've got to deal with those cute little foxes that don't look like they could hurt a thing. So she's saying, you got, you got to get rid of those foxes. I, I, it's amazing to me how sometimes we, we don't know the dangers of something because we just haven't progressed long enough to see the dangers of that thing. So even, even in healthcare, there's, there's different things that have happened over the years or different uh, pastimes that we've had as, as people that the more science and the more observation about that comes out, the more we discover it's really dangerous. So here's some examples. Um, this is a cough drop. It's called a heroin cough drop. That's right. You got a cough? We're gonna fix your cough with heroin, okay? This, this is it says the purest and the best. <laughs> like this is gonna, it's gonna hook you up. You're not gonna cough. Okay. Next one, it's next this is an old advertisement, same thing. The problem you've been cough, you've been coughing, it's been solved by heroin gonna fix all your problems. (laughs) Okay, next one. Okay, this one is crazy to me. This is uh, Mrs. Winslow's Soothing Cough Syrup. Mrs. Winslow's Soothing Cough Syrup. It says on it, if your child is waking up, you can make them go back to sleep by giving them some Mrs. Winslow soothing cough syrup. Here's an image of a mom, just this wonderful, beautiful mother pour, holding a bottle of morphine over her infant, <laughs> like you're going back to sleep, baby. Like no crying for you. All right, next one. This is really helpful. Asthma cigarettes. <laughs> you got you got asthma. Let's let's just <laughs> let's smoke some cigarettes. That's gonna help a lot. <coughs> like it's not good and, and here's the deal in, in all of these images they they were things that people thought might be okay they were kind of like cute little foxes but the more we observed what the effects of heroin on a toddler we realized not great not great and so there are some little foxes that if you want to have a healthy relationship you've got to deal with not not just the big obvious ones but the ones that you think are cute and manageable that you, you, you think aren't going to affect much. I think some, some great examples would be things like, men, you've got to learn how to not pee on a toilet seat. Hey! I got a pretty healthy amen from all the women on that one. Uh, women, you need to learn how to properly open a bag of chips. We don't just rip it. This way, this way, right? That's that's how you do it. Another fox that will destroy a relationship is mixing M&Ms and Skittles. Destroy the relationship. Over. Uh, Wearing socks with sandals. That's a little fox. Starts out not so cute and becomes really not so cute, right? Am I right? (laughs) Um, Toilet paper, like how to put a toilet paper roll back on the roll, So some of you are, are blinded. You're blinded. Imagine this is the wall, right? Imagine this is the wall, and you think that you're supposed to put toilet paper facing out. How many people? You out Facing out away from the wall. You are so wrong. So wrong. Let me pastor you for a minute. Okay, my wife and I, we go back and forth. It has been a little fox in our relationship for a long time. <laughs> she thinks it's supposed to be like this because you grab it easy. But the problem is this. The way you grab it like this is, is you, like, you're, you're doing this number. Remember that number that you do? You're doing your business, and you're touching my paper. And then you're ripping it down here with your dirty fingers up here. No, no, no. We don't, we don't do that. We, we turn it around, so you just grab it. Okay, 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 okay. If you... How many people have little children? Okay, I will convince you with this one. If you have little children and you leave the paper towel or or the toilet paper roll out like this, your little children will walk up to that roll or if you have a cat, will walk up to that roll and start doing this. And then you wonder, how come there's toilet paper all over the floor? It's because you're doing it wrong. If you do it this way, they just roll it up every time. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right, let's talk about a real, a real little fox that we think is insignificant, but ultimately it, it is the great destroyer of marriages. If you don't handle this when you're single, high chance of destroying your marriage. And that little fox is how you deal with money. I thought we were talking about sex. (laughs) If you want good sex, you better handle your money well. (laughs) 70% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. And that's, I'm I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm saying most of us in the room are doing that. And what that does then is that makes it it a big issue when we come into a marriage. Because 90% of divorces happen because of financial issues. But we think it's just, a little, it's just a little fox that I bought that Mustang when I couldn't afford it. I was single and in college. Didn't bother anybody. But then you got married and you brought those payments with you. Right? So, like, the, the financial decisions, how we view our money has a huge impact on our relationships, the romance we experience, our lives. Do we view money as this, this thing that we control that is ours? Or do we truly believe... Jehovah Jireh, that God is a provider of all things and and the money or the possessions I have aren't necessarily mine, they're they're resources I'm stewarding but ultimately they're his. Because if I'm stewarding somebody else's resources, I might choose not to be so frivolous with them. When I was was a child, I, um, I had a behavior issue. Some of you are being sarcastic, and I, first service didn't do that. They were very respectful. The, the church that I went to, like, it was kind of loud, and you could, like, th- there could be noise, which, what that meant was, my mom could beat me in church, and no one would know, you know? And so I'd be, I'd be in the pew, like, acting up, being, being stupid, and my mom would, she'd come up, she'd, like, pinch me so hard, you know what I'm saying? Like, like there's just something about the vice grips of a mama's fingers, She'd pinch me super. I'd start crying. She'd be like, "I'm gonna. You better stop. I'm gonna give you something to cry about." <laughs> Anybody else remember those words? Yeah. This generation knows nothing. You know, no, no, nothing. Like I'm gonna put your time out. That's different. That's different than I'm gonna tan your hide. Okay. <clears throat> my my mom used to say, "I'm gonna give you a licking." That wasn't nice. It's because I had a behavior issue. Financial struggles often have, that pretty much, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a behavior issue. And the way you resolve a behavior issue is not by outgrowing it. What you do is you find discipline. What my mom was doing to me, pinching me in those pews, was horrible. The, the seven-year-old me hated it. But it taught me how to sit still. Right? It's a behavior issue. And so many of us, we think that my financial issues, once we get married and we have two incomes, those issues will go away. Well, no, because you don't outgrow behavior issues, you deal with them by discipline. It's really a behavior issue, and it's also the way you think about money. It, do you, it is, is the resources that you have, are they yours, or are they God's, and you steward them, you manage them. If they're gods and you manage them, you will be more careful with it. And if it's a behavior issue, you need discipline. Think of a, of a young guy, maybe, you know, dating a girl, talking about how amazing life with him is going to be. Like, I can show the world shining, shimmering splendor. Tell me, princess, now when did you last let your heart... Dude, you're not showing her the world. You can't even rent a car at Enterprise. (laughs) Get the finances in order before you lock it down with somebody. And if you're married in the room and you have financial struggles, I would say the way to work on a healthy marriage might be to get into some sort of an environment where you can learn to manage your money and think about it properly. Finances is all about delayed gratification. It's all about saying, can I sacrifice what I want now for what I love later? Can, can I choose to do now what I will wish I had done then? Because the truth is, a dollar spent today does not equal a dollar missing tomorrow. A dollar spent today is multiple dollars tomorrow that's missing. Debt is the great destroyer of marriages. It, it always, and we have, this, we have a financial group in the church right now that's working through this kind of stuff. I, I applaud everyone that's in that group. I believe it will change your life. But it always amazes me as a church how we'll do something like Dave Ramsey or some sort of financial group and no one signs up for it. Like, y'all are a bunch of liars. <laughs> nah, I don't need that group. Like, I don't need that. I just need to know how to quilt. No. If 70% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck and 90% of marriages end because of financial issues, why are we not chomping at the bit every time we offer something like this? Like it should be the group that gets filled up the fastest, but our pride says, I'm not going to let anyone know I still have this little fox in my vineyard. I'm just telling somebody today, you've got to get the courage to deal with it. Next time there's a course on, on working through that kind of stuff, sign up. Young man, before you get married, you, you've, got, you've, got to, you've got to work on some things. You've got to get healthy in the way you think about finances because soon you're going to have two incomes that you're managing. It doesn't make it better. It makes it worse. Young woman, you've got, you got to adjust the way you spend money now before you have two incomes because it won't change it. You don't outgrow behavior issues. Is that okay? Okay. It's a little fox, and I'm not, I'm not going to dive into all the details. I'm just saying next time we have, have those kind of things up there, you got to sign up because it is a little fox. It's cute. It's insignificant. Nobody sees it, but it will wreck your marriage. All right, next one. You ready for the next one? Little fox. Pornography. What? I came on porn Sunday? Yeah, you came on Porn Sunday. <laughs> pornography is like a, a little fox. It's cute. Nobody knows about it. It doesn't affect anybody. It doesn't hurt anybody. It's just this little thing that I have in my life that, that I will outgrow one day. It's not a big deal. The truth is pornography is like the most, the most relevant topic I can talk about right now. 79% of men say, according to studies, that they have, they have looked at pornography in, in the last month. of women have looked at pornography in the last month. Oh, wait, it's no longer just a man issue? No, it's no longer a man issue. In fact, one in five Google searches is for pornography. When I was a kid, I was first exposed to pornography. I was walking through the woods behind my house And I found a ripped-off sheet of of paper. Like I I just saw this colorful page off in the side of the woods. I went and picked it up, and I was like introduced to something. Oh, what's that's amazing! (laughs) And then you know what it led me to do as as a kid. Like I'm I'm talking like 13 years old. and, And and then if I wanted more of it back in my day, what we would do is go to the gas station and steal it. Like, we don't live in the generation where people are introduced to porn by by discovering their dad's Playboy magazine collection. We live in a generation where we are giving children cell phones that are more powerful than what put people on the moon. And then we wonder why our kids are struggling with pornography. It's, It's wrecking our marriages. As a pastor that has talked to a lot of marriages... This little fox, you may think it doesn't affect anyone, but it will ruin your life. I've seen it over and over and over again. There was a university that attempted to do a study on the effects of pornography on the human brain. The problem is they couldn't find a test group that did not have exposure to pornography. So they had to cancel the study. Pornography accounts for a a, a greater volume of internet traffic The Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined. And according to internal reports from pornography websites, one in ten users of pornography is under ten years old. I say that because mama, daddy, guess what? Your child is being exposed to things... You've got to have safeguards. You've got to be the parent that can be a contrarian. Dads, listen, your job is not to be the guy that makes your kids happy. Part of being a man, the difference between a man and a boy is this. This is one of the differences. A boy goes along with what everyone else is doing. A man takes a minority position. A man is willing to say, I disagree with that and I'm not doing that. I'm saying there's, there's some dads in the room that you need to create some boundaries for, for your children. There's some moms you need to do the same. It's like, he's angry. I'm angry because I've watched too many marriages fall apart because of this little fox. There was a, a man named Conrad Lawrence. You can... You can look him up he was an uh, ethologist. He, he's, his primarily his primary study was with uh, like geese and uh, birds of prey like falcons and stuff. but he ended up doing some studies on butterflies and what he noticed and observed was that male butterflies would mate with the female butterflies that were the largest and the brightest of their species and so he tried to he, he did an experiment he decided to make cardboard butterflies that were slightly larger than the female butterflies. And then the colors he used to paint them were more vivid and brighter than the butterfly species he was observing. So he introduced male butterflies into a space that was filled with cardboard female butterflies. What he discovered is that the male butterflies all tried to copulate have sex with, cardboard butterflies. Let that happen for a little while. And then what he did is he introduced real female butterflies of the same species into the space. And as he introduced them into the space, the male butterflies completely ignored the females and continued to try to mate with the cardboard butterflies what he observed is something we call a supernormal stimulus. It's where you take a, a natural occurring stimulus and you exaggerate it just slightly enough that it is more than a normal stimulus. It only occurs really in a couple of places in our world, one of them being like Doritos. You know what I'm saying? Like, where like where in the real world are you going to find a bag of Doritos? Like, like you're going to be out, like, harvesting a field, and you're like, what is this amazing triangular, like, crispy, salty, cheesy, like, it's it's this incredible thing. And so you bite down it, and it's just like, oh, like, this doesn't happen in nature. This is amazing. Except for the cool ranch ones. But a supernormal... Stimulus really only happens in our world in two places, junk food and pornography. And what it does is it causes us to get an appetite for an enhanced, exaggerated, not real version of it. Like, junk food is called junk food because it is junk. And I'm telling you, it causes us to have an appetite for things that are not actually Real, and, and, and this begins to escalate in, in our world. So these, these, these natural desires be, begin to, to escalate, looking for a, a greater and greater supernormal stimulus. This is what happens with pornography use it, it creates an arousal addiction. An arousal addiction is, is different than, than a typical drug. Like, like I'm just telling somebody today, this little fox, you may have been struggling with it since you were 10 years old. I'm just telling you, like no shame on you, but you've got to kill this little fox. It is worse than a drug addiction. Drug addiction causes you to want more of the same thing. You do this and you want this again arousal addiction causes you to want something different. Because what you're chasing isn't a drug. What you're chasing is a dopamine response in your brain. And that only happens when you introduce something new and different. So what happens is men and women's brains are now being rewired by pornography. They're being rewired because rather than desiring consistency, we're desiring change and newness. It causes you to want something new and different, and you can only imagine how that might affect your future marriage. Of all the forms of online entertainment gambling, gaming, surfing, the internet, social networking porn is the most addictive. It's not a pastime. It's a path to a failed relationship. And I think one of the hardest things to to recognize is this desire for newness creates an appetite for things that are not healthy, that you would never want in the real world. In fact, the most common Keywords on porn sites are words like violence, crying, and rape. You say, oh, I don't know if that's true. Well, when Pornhub was forced to remove all of their content, just recently they were forced to remove all of their content that included people that were non-consenting, including rape videos and and others that were not consenting to it, they lost 80% of their content. I'm telling you, what what you're seeing is not as real as you think it is. It's cardboard, and it will ruin your marriage. It is the drug of choice for loneliness and stress. And we mistakenly believe that once I'm in college, I will grow out of it. Or once I get married, I'll be having sex with someone all the time, and I won't need it. And I'm just telling you, It is an addiction that must be broken. In fact, a new trend in our generation is this. It's erectile dysfunction for men in their 20s. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, erectile dysfunction. It's a naturally occurring thing in older men. It naturally is part of the progression of life. It happens. But in older people, what it is, is it is a physical thing that's happening. In men in their 20s, the reason it's becoming this, this epidemic is it's a psychological problem. It's a neurological problem that is happening because of pornography. Men are, are so used to getting the cardboard that the real butterfly doesn't work. Pornography does not lead to lasting or real satisfaction. Sex on porn sites lasts for a really long time in a fantasy environment with perfect bodies. Can I just tell you that sex in a healthy relationship doesn't last a long time? But it's also different because you're you're making love with somebody that has stretch marks from the children that they bore for you. Um, you you're making love with somebody that has fat in parts of their body they didn't have fat before. <laughs> talking about me, babe. I'm not talking about you. <laughs> I heard her she was like, "Oh god, like, Someone with bad breath. Someone that didn't fix the car, he said he was going to (laughs) fix. Like, I I would say it like this. Like, like I snore really bad. Like, I'm like a shake the walls of the house snorer. I need to get checked. (laughs) And so sometimes, like, a romantic moment for Kim and I looks like, Middle of the night, I snore so loud that I wake myself up. And when I roll over with my bad breath, she's sitting there staring at me. She's probably, probably been doing it for hours. Just. And then our, and the deal is, so she, she got braces a, a few years ago. And now she, she has this, like, retainer thing she wears in, at night. And so, like, I'll roll over. She's got bad breath with the retainer thing. And, like, our toes touch. And I'm like, oh, It might be worth a shot, you know what I'm saying? Like kind of start to make your move and you're like how you doing? And she be like, just just one minute. Okay, I'm ready. You know, like that's real. That's real. And my prayer for you is that you'd have bad breath sex for the rest of your life with the same person. Pornography is directly linked to instability in marriage. In fact, it's the number two indicator of a failing marriage. You've got to deal with this young fox now. And people that allow or have pornography in their home have twice, like a two times higher chance of, uh, of a divorce. It's just the, it's the stats. Here's what the Bible says about temptation. It says this in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience and God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted to, uh, he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. It says this in James chapter 4, verse 7. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So the Bible tells us when it comes to temptation, God's going to create a way out. If we resist the devil, the devil will flee from us. But watch this. In 1 Corinthians 6.18, it says, Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. So where the Bible says when it comes to every other kind of temptation, the way you deal with temptation is you resist the devil, he'll run from you. That you wait and God will make a way out. When it comes to sexual temptation, pornography, all of it, the Bible does not say to resist it. It says to run from it. Run like a young man named Joseph that as he ran from his, his, uh, his owner's wife, he lost his rope. Run. Like, lose your dignity and run from something. I'm, like, like, if I did that, like, like, that would just be so embarrassing. Like, if I, if I got rid of my iPhone and I went back to a flip phone, everybody would know that I struggle with porn. It, you're already losing your dignity either way. You can lose your dignity with a fancy phone, or you can choose to gain your dignity by losing your dignity and running. I'm just telling somebody, like the Bible isn't saying just, just deal with this one, manage this one. No, create massive boundaries in your life. Run. Put some distance between you and the thing that is causing sexual sin in your life. Run. Run. Maybe it's time for you to get rid of the internet. Well, I'm in college. I need the internet to work. Guess what? Your library has free internet. It might be time for you to make a boundary in your life and say, we're just not going to watch movies in our home that have nudity in them. Preacher, that is just so old. Like Maybe you're, like, you're hearing that and you're like, this is, this is exactly why I stopped going to church. It's just so old-fashioned. Maybe so, but I have a great marriage. It works. It works. God invented the orgasm. You didn't think you'd hear that in church, did you? Like, yay God. Good idea. But understand that in this book of the Bible, three separate times... It says, do not awaken love until it's ready. It's not that God is saying this is a shameful thing, a bad thing. It's a great thing, but it has to be in the right boundaries. And I'm just telling you, this one called pornography will ruin your life. I know people that have lost their job because of it, lost their, their spouse because of it. It'll ruin your life. What you need in your life is this. You need, you need someone you can talk to. Like we have we have resources we can get to, get in your hands. Resources are great. But can I tell you the real key to overcoming this? It's the key for freedom in any area of your life. It's found in the book of James. It says that if you if you confess your faults one to another, you're gonna find freedom. So what I'm saying is you've got to find someone you can talk to about it. And I'm not like definitely go, don't go in the lobby today, and be like, I'm looking at porn. Like, nope. That's weird. But what I am saying is, the reason we as a church do things like small groups, it's not because they're cute. It's because we have, we've got like small group leaders that we train, that we trust, that we believe that like, if you came to them and said, hey, I, I need some accountability in my life. There's this, this thing that, like you're only as strong as your secrets. And you're like, I got to get this thing out in the open so that I have somebody that every time they see me once a week they say, "Hey, have you looked at a naked woman other than your wife in the last seven days?" That's a good question. If you've got a close friend that's already in the room, I, I would encourage you, like, get to a place where that relationship's strong enough that you can you can ask them, like, "Have have you looked at a man other than your husband? Like, you're single. Are, have you?" This is, how, this is how we find the freedom is we get it into the open and then we have consistent conversations with people that check in. Good. Or I could just get up here and preach and be cute and like I preach cute sermons. Not me be cute. My wife thinks I'm cute but like I could preach cute sermons that make you feel good. I, I could do that. I could preach really cute sermons that make you feel good and you'll have no change in your life. And you're gonna be like, I tried the church thing and it didn't work. I'm telling you, if you want change in this area, it comes through having people in your life. All right. <clears throat> Parents, if a teenager went to a party, got drunk, jumped in a car and got in a car accident, we would hold the parents that hosted that party accountable I'm saying some of this is on us parents we don't need our kids to like us we need our kids to be protected All right, here we go. I'm going to I'm going to jump out of this. We're going to make it fun again. You ready? Verse 16, she says, My lover is mine and I am his. He browses among the lilies. Before the dawn breezes blow and the night shadows flee, return to me, my love, like a gazelle or a young stag on the rugged mountains. She's telling him, she's saying, Go deal with your small foxes and then I'm going to wait for you to return. As the dawn breezes blow, as the night shadows flee, return to me like a gazelle or a young stag on the rugged mountains. What's interesting is it doesn't actually say rugged mountains right here. If you have a different translation, it says the hills of Bether. but we don't know what that means, so this translation just said they know what, they know what rugged mountains are. Hills of Beether, what's that? I'm going to tell you. The hills of Beethor mean the separated hills. She's saying, go take care of your little foxes. And soon we're going to enjoy the hills of Bether. She's saying boobies. 3,000-year-old metaphor right here. What she's saying is, if you'll take care of the little foxes now, you can enjoy the intimacy that comes in a healthy relationship later. And my prayer for you today is that you would be able to deal with these. Quick little thought. If you have a spouse today who is struggling in this area, I would never tell you what to do. I don't know the pain of that. But I would encourage you to try to find a way, and I don't know necessarily what that looks like. It's probably between you and God. But try to find a way where, where you don't cut them off because they're struggling with this. I'm saying sometimes making love is passionate and, and wild. And sometimes making love is an act of grace. Grace. And I would just say, it's possible. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm definitely not trying to coerce anybody into anything. But it's possible. that Sometimes the grace you show in the bedroom might go an incredibly long way for him or her to become the man of God that you believe they can become. Would you stand with me across the room? Lord Jesus, we love you. And we thank you that your plan for us and your design for us is good and you hope for us to be healthy and whole and for us to experience the fullness of all of these areas of romance and relationships. God, I pray right now for the marriage that's in this room that has got some little foxes that they need to circle back around and remove. I pray that they would have the courage to have heavy conversations, that they would step into that you've called them to be. God, I pray for the teenager that's in this room right now that has already been exposed to things. Lord, I pray for that young man that he would have the courage to find a, a healthy person in his life that he can open up with about and, and work through this and process it so that he will not bring the baggage into a marriage in the future. God, I pray for that person that's engaged today they would recognize the little foxes and they would choose to get financial help so that they don't bring it into a marriage. Jesus.
0: Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. We love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.